Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, and I am joined, as always, by Seamus Clancy. We're going to talk plenty Eagles and wildcard weekend coming up, what we made of the Eagles' weird win, whatever got it done win against the Giants this past weekend, uh, over the well, whatever the Giants were playing, because it clearly was not their, uh, their finest. We're going to talk some Sixers. They have been playing some pretty good basketball, 13 of 16 still, some some I don't know how to put it um, bias against the Sixers superstars and it is what it is but we're going to get to that Phillies make a couple trades uh, bolster their bullpen depending on how you look at it they're one trade a little bit bigger than the other we'll get into it more and the Flyers have won five of six games the Philadelphia Flyers um, doing doing some work but uh, we'll get into all of that in a bit but first of course we have to start off with the Philadelphia Eagles who do beat the New York Giants and clinch the NFC East, clinch the number one overall seed in the NFC and get a first round bye. So they will not be playing a wild card weekend, which is wonderful, Seamus. Um, you wouldn't know it based on how some people talk, but what is your and I'll say I'll like my little piece on it is I get actually I won't even, you know, I, I want to hear your opinion first. Just you, the, on the game itself, going forward, how you're feeling, what kind of your temperature um, with the Eagles right now? Sitting in the press box at the link on Sunday, I like to have an article that I publish right at Final Whistle for phillyvoice.com. Perfect. My article is, don't panic over the Eagles' week 18 offensive performance. Hurts was a little rusty, still a little hurt, and I think maybe even a little bit more than a little bit. Is that Nick Sirianni's press conference? I asked him, Hey, were there any limitations on the playbook with Hertz out there? And I kind of expected a, a no answer. And it seemed they were pretty upfront that they couldn't do a lot of the things they really want to do with Jalen. I was surprised by Nick's answer. And some other reporters asked, like, hey, how was he feeling? These things, that thing. And it seemed like they were saying, hey, he's he's hurt. He He's playing through this because we really needed this win. And I'm paraphrasing when I say this. But we know we needed this, and he's sore after the game, and he's feeling it, and he was feeling it during the game. But to me, from the outside, yeah, Sunday was a playoff game. Sunday was a playoff game. If they didn't win Sunday, they might not have won. Go, They could not go on the win the Super Bowl. I don't think if they had a home field advantage, they didn't have the bye because of the injuries to both Jalen and Lane. So if you fast forward two weeks from now, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field, Jalen Hurts a couple weeks more healthy, rested up, that spoke to some doctors uh, for some articles on Philly Voice. If that sort of sprain he had might have been a, a four or so week injury. So taking this extra time off should really help him. Lane Johnson, uh, th that's a hard injury. That's a really, really hard injury. But um, not that the team has anything specifically, but it seems like he will definitely go come the wild card round. I mean, the divisional round, I should say. The Eagles on by the wild card round. So if you have, I've said this a couple of times on this podcast. If your two best players and the Eagles, two best players are Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson. If your two best players play the two most important positions in the sport, either they're missing or severely hampered. The offense is going to look like what it could really be. And maybe you're more skeptic that the offense and Jalen and Lane are healthy enough when they're playing the giants or whoever the, the, the Cowboys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come next week. But I have faith, and I don't think that, again, the playbook wasn't really opened up, and I think once it comes down to this is a do-or-die game, it's a playoff game, 
I expect them to look much more like the Jalen Hurts we saw that was an MVP candidate or should have, would have, could have MVP this year. Had one of the, I guess, a top three offense, you would say, with Kansas City and Buffalo as well. My panic meter is not there at all. I know people don't like Jonathan Gannon. I know sometimes that scheme can be infuriating. But they've allowed the fewest passing yards in the NFL this year. Even as a team that was up in most of those games and necessitating the opponent's team to throw the ball at the time. They have a really good defense. They have a really good offense. They have a quarterback who oozes leadership and intangibles. They have a head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator that stacks up pretty well with everyone else in the NFC. The Eagles set a franchise record for wins with 14 wins. Let's let's calm the freak down a little bit. No, and it, it does feel sometimes I and I guess this is just being an Eagles fan for a lot of people. Like that yeah, just, it's yeah. just like it's where their mind goes. And I can't. I can't say like I, I of course I empathize with that being you know growing up here and spending my whole life here and seeing one Super Bowl uh, well two Super Bowls one Super Bowl win in my entire lifetime it's fair uh, to an extent to have that mentality and kind of always go into it but I also there's some people who are just like I can't imagine I I've, I fancy myself sometimes a little bit of a negative person and some people it's just like oh my God how do you live your life um, being that level of negative but. I got a couple. They're the worst seed, or we're the worst number one seed of all time. I got a couple of those texts. I'm like, guys, they they just won 14 games. How and do you got even the, quantify the best, that? their best player back? It's guys, just fucking relax for five seconds. But I'm glad you brought up the playbook multiple times because that's where I, I the the biggest thing to me. I, I think it, it's twofold. Well, I'll say this. I I think it's fair to be worried about Jalen Hurts' health. That's a fair concern, one hundred percent. Because if he's compromised or not healthy, that's where that's where the ride ends. Uh, I, it, I'm, I did not. I, I actually now I'm going to go back to Philly Voice and read your story about um, the the idea that it could be you know a four week injury, so this extra rest could really help him. That makes you feel a little bit better about things. And of course, I mean the, the extra rest is going to help. We all, like if it's a sprain or strain, whatever rest is good. That's all that helps that. So that that's great to 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 have that extra week, and they really. Yeah, I agree with you too. They really needed this game if they wanted to reach their goals, get to the Super Bowl, possibly win it. They needed this week off Absolutely. for both for both Hurts and for Lane Johnson. But I, I'll say this about the playbook argument that I think you're, that that's very fair. One, it's week 18. You're playing a Giants team that's playing nobody, right? Like they're playing none of their best players. You know you can win this game with a very, very, very vanilla offensive playbook. So why are you going to show your hand and, and whip out the whole thing? And, and, and you know, Steichen and, and Sirian have been so good this year. Like, they have pressed every right button for this offense. As you mentioned, top three offense in the NFL. They have been, they've been excellent all year long. I am so confident that that game, that, that playbook was just vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. And they said, all right, let's just, they're be- like, let's just go up against it. And let's just, like, score enough points to win the game. And I, I think, to Jalen, like red zone offense is the hardest thing to kind of oh my to god yeah. master. They were so, one in five in the the red zone, and if Jalen can't run, the red zone offense isn't the red zone offense. A huge part of it too, and that's going to lead into my next point. But I, and, and in general, like red zone offense is the most difficult thing in the NFL, and it's the most difficult thing for a quarterback that's missed multiple multiple weeks and hasn't had that practice time and all that time to get ready for it. That's the most difficult thing. So I wasn't surprised that they struggled in the red zone. I'll say, too, with Hurts and the playbook, part of the reason that playbook's not open is because 
it, it was very obvious to me that if Jalen Hurts was in any situation where he thought he might even take a hit, he went down. Jalen Hurts doesn't play that way all year long. Um, it, granted, that's part of the reason perhaps why he gets hurt, why that happens in that Bears game, that he's going for extra yards, takes a hit that maybe he shouldn't take, whatever. The point being, Hurts was not going to play his normal brand and style of football in a Week 18 game against the Giants' backups, knowing that they could still win um, playing that way. So I think that hurt Jalen from a from just being a, not he wasn't he basically he wasn't able to be himself. Yeah, he wasn't able to be the guy who was the MVP candidate who led the Eagles to 13 wins. He wasn't able to be that guy, and the team probably instructed him wisely to not be that guy. So I anticipate when 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 we're talking about this a couple weeks from now, when it's we know what the who the opponent is at the link. Might be the same Giants team. That's my prediction. Might Saturday night, we're playing that same. They're playing that same Giants team, and Very obviously, possible. they they know this scheme well. The Eagles smacked the crap. I don't know if the Meadowlands. I think they scored what was it, forty points, thirty eight points, something along those points. lines. Yeah. They crushed them up there. Uh, so I think Giants are familiar. The Eagles have a lot of stuff on tape, but additionally, you don't want to flash too too much in Week eighteen. You're not dialing up your your crazy Doug Peterson inspired <laughs> trick play pandering play. So I think and I don't think a they like scheme, yeah. they weren't scheming to any player on the Giants defense because none of their best players were playing on defense. So yeah, yeah. that's and that's something that I think Steichen has done a, an excellent job of. The game that stands out obviously is the the Sunday night against the Cowboys when he really they made you know Michael Parsons they put him in a bind on on every play and kind of read him and then did their you know and ran the offense around that. So I think. Little things like that, and I just think the playbook's going to be more open. The playbook's going to be schemed against a certain opponent, and it's going to be Jalen Hurts unleashed, right? It's a playoff game. It is do or die. Jalen Hurts is going to be all out. And let's be real, too. Like, it's – it's uh, they needed that game. They needed to win it. But the adrenaline's not going to be there like it's going to be in a couple weeks around. Like, it's not even close. Like, it, no, it's, no. it's going to be that – arena is going to be that stadium is going to be wild the link is going to be so rocking there's going to be so much flowing and so much on the line that they're just going to play a more excited brand of football i will say this you touched on jonathan gannon gannon's defense a little bit the one thing that i thought was crucial and i get it the giants played nobody all backups davis webb at quarterback okay the the the, the silver lining to cj gardner johnson's injury is reed blankenship getting reps because now he's in the mix, right? And without Avante Maddox, PFF's number fifteen safety this year, Reed Blankenship. He did I, get he did get lit up on that one play, which yes. <laughs> caused for concern. But I think he just thought he was going to be able to do shoulder rocket into a guy and didn't square up, didn't set his feet, and everything like that. Terrible, terrible on the highlight reel. But uh, I think having the the move is as you're alluding to is if they're in dime. CJ goes in the slot and Reed goes yes. out there. I think that's their move. That's what they're going to be playing the majority of the time. And you want, if you have what, if you have to have five defensive backs in your field on the field, have your five, five best, best defensive backs. Don't yep. have four. And then your sixth or seventh guy. Right. Exactly. So I think that could be something because the reality is if CJ Gardner Johnson never gets hurt, Blankenship doesn't get these opportunities. Right. Sure. And, and you don't, and he doesn't get to flash and get to show Jonathan Gannon okay, this guy can play a little bit. This guy can help our defense. And to your point, move him, he moves up the food chain because now like, it would have just been Josiah Scott. And, and with all respect to him, it's clear that 
the the better like Reed Blankenship is the better football player. And if you can bump CJ Gardner Johnson down to the slot in the dime package, it makes the defense better. And I think that's that's critical because Maddox was playing so and like that Cowboys game. I just I, I'll never get over that how well he was playing before he gets hurt and how much how impactful he was. And I remember during the broadcast, them talk like they said they talked to Jonathan Gannon during the week, and he said, "Listen, Avante Maddox is going to be everywhere out there, and he's going to be a huge part of this." So when he goes down, it ruined their whole game plan. Now you shift C.J. Gardner Johnson into that type of role, uh, and it changes everything. It just makes their defense, um, I think, so much, so much better. I want to get into the wild card weekend because there's look, there's a lot of really good games on the docket. And uh, in both conferences, of course, the, the a lot of juice of, for Eagles fans, a lot of uh, yeah. connections, people of interest, things that present themselves, what we're going to see, what the Eagles are going to see, what the fan base is going to see next round. As I look at Jaguar Chiefs, as you say that, because of course, I think we're all excited for, for Doug Peterson and, and the opportunity for him. And um, it was cool to see them win and him take a, a, a bad football team and a, and a bad, really, organization. Like the joke organization. Just, just dead. And for him to revive them and make them a playoff team, um, so cool to see. So good for Doug. So happy for him. And I saw, too, like the thing, like Trevor Lawrence, like Urban Meyer almost broke Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was a can't-miss prospect. And Urban Meyer almost broke him. Um, so that's it's just wonderful to see Doug Peterson just revive him, which I think is going to, in turn, revive the franchise. But as you look at Wild Card Weekend, really the only game that I think is probably going to be uncompetitive is ravens Bengals because, as we know, Lamar Jackson is not going to play now. Is that um, official? I uh, saw believe, some, some, I, well, I, and, the, and additionally, Miami. It's going to be Skylar Thompson, the rookie quarterback. Yeah, that's so going to hurt. Too. We're going to have a couple rough so games too. And then not only that, the Bills, all the momentum they have from everything they've endured oh over the last couple yeah. weeks. Oh my God. Uh, so those two games probably not looking like the most competitive. But really, the and I, I know some people might say, "Oh, 49ers, like they're just going to roll the Seahawks." Two things: division game. That's, I like this. I like this take. Critical. I like no, it. It is. It, it's division games are not easy to win. They just aren't. It doesn't matter. You're playing a team the, for the third time this year, you know each other well. You know each other it, well. It's it's hard to do. And plus, look, Brock Purdy has been incredible. He's been a revelation for them. He's been outstanding. I take nothing away from the job he has done. He is still a rookie quarterback playing a playoff game. That's still a big deal. So I I, I I, look, if I'm putting money on it, of course I'm putting my money on the 49ers. But I'm just I saying, tease, I, I tease the 49ers line down to four. That has a chance to be a competitive, a much more competitive football game than I think people are giving it credit for. So there's that. And of course, like I Chargers, Jaguars should be another game that should be pretty damn competitive and a lot of fun. Doug Peterson, I, home underdogs. That's that's exactly where he wants yes, to be. He's, he's comfy there. Absolutely. But then the other two, the NFC games, I think are going to be outstanding. But oh, Giants, yeah. Vikings, Cowboys Bucks. I think both of those games have a chance to be really competitive, really fun to watch. And as you mentioned, storylines galore, and a lot of it's going to impact the Eagles. So as you look at Wild Card Weekend, um, I just ran through it. You gave some thoughts, but what what are you most looking forward to during Wild Card Weekend? I'm wondering the game, obviously, both NFC games are going to impact the Eagles, but I'm really looking at that Minnesota Giants game. And a couple of weeks ago, we kind of knew that was going to be the game, right? It wasn't official, but then eventually New York gets locked in the sixth seed. Minnesota wasn't locked in yet, but it was pretty clear San Francisco and Philadelphia were going to be the top two teams in some order. Obviously, the Eagles go and clinch. I was very in on this Giants team, I think, because I think Minnesota is the most fluky team ever. You can point to say, hey, they're X and X in one score games. They're unbelievably squeaking out these wins. But in reality, that's unsustainable. I think back to 2014, 2015 Eagles. They had all these crazy return touchdowns, 
pulling wins out of their asses. That's not sustainable. So I look at this team and I think, hey, the Giants defense, okay. Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. He's won a playoff game in his career, but not someone who inspires a ton of confidence. Of course, the other side of the field is Daniel Jones, and I don't think that's that's probably even less confidence there. But the public seems to be so on the Giants. I'm not even just talking about you know uh, gambling or, or money, but the, the narrative seems to be going too far in the Giants' favor where I wonder if Minnesota – they're three-point home favorites. That's not a lot in the playoffs for your team that won 13 games this year. Basically a push, yeah. Yeah, so I'm wondering if it got too far the other way. I still picked the Giants this week. I did a little three-team teaser for the postseason this weekend with uh, 49ers and then getting the Giants line at nine now. And then I think I took uh, Buffalo as well. So I'm looking at that game. That'll be fun. And then, of course, Monday night. And I love that this is the Monday night game. Caps off a great weekend. Two teams with some a lot of history with the Eagles. We have Dallas. What else do I have to say? And then, of course, Tampa Bay, where they, the Eagles lost in the playoffs last year. If Tampa Bay wins. There's a good shot. The Eagles are playing them next week. Maybe get some revenge. Tom Brady, a frequent playoff foe over the last, what? Oh, geez. 18 years? 18 years they've been playing this guy in the playoffs. It'll be fun. And... Get some shade and fraud out. If the Giants, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you probably want the Giants to win. Get the, the worst teams in there. That's in case I think you'd root for, if you were an Eagles fan, Seattle in the opening game. Pull that upset. Sure. If Seattle won, you have Geno Smith walking into the link. And I think you, you get all you get the revenge out of all of those terrible Seattle losses over the last 15, mm. 20 years. Russell Wilson ain't there to save you anymore, Pete Carroll. Geno Smith, he ain't Russell Wilson. Obviously, Russell Wilson's thrown off a cliff this year, but... For a while, it was yeah. He's not tremendous. Seattle Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And just a guy who owned the Eagles in every single regard. Yes. Uh, so a lot of juice for the Eagles, and this is the way the way people talk about March Madness. Those first couple days of March Madness. That's how I feel about Wild Card Weekend, and not that it's happened frequently in my adult life, just twice. But Eagles being on a bye, enjoying this weekend, soaking it up. I'm off work Saturday, can chill. Have a couple cold ones, maybe order some pizza and wings, get paid on Friday. There it is. Live it up. I'm, I'm so excited. So excited. There it is. Yeah. I might, I mean, I I'm also gonna have an excellent Saturday. Maybe, maybe take the little guy to the aquarium. I don't know. We'll Ooh. see where see where things go. Um put him in tuck yeah, him in bed, tuck him in bed right before Doug gets going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal. I mean, that's yeah. I, I I try to plan things. Uh well he yeah he so you know bedtime is like seven thirty eight o'clock so we should be good for that game we're 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 in good shape for that if one. I, could, I mean if, I could, if if you're an Eagles fan or someone who's been around the team a lot or a media member whatever Philadelphia at heart that's the game you want to watch most this weekend oh, yeah. and then Monday night yes and both of those games like I, th- th- those are the games I'm most interested in and those are the games that should be the easiest for me to to watch so I'm looking forward to that but yeah the the Giants. I do think they're going to win. And I I think you're not wrong. Like it does feel like the the media landscape everyone it, it, everyone's all in on the Giants pulling that upset off to the point where like is it really an upset? But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I view it like this. All the pressure's on the Vikings, right? Oh yeah. Like they, they they're the team that won the most games or the more games, they're the team that's at home. They have a, the veteran quarterback in Kirk Cousins, like they were built to win. Like they they're built to win right now. The Giants, I mean, raise your hand if you thought the Giants would be where they are right now, because I did not. And I and I, and I say that as I know you and I are both a big fan of Brian Dable, but yeah, the uh, roster just, is not good. The roster is not good. No, 
And I still like, and to your point, like, Dan, do I, do, do I have more confidence in Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins? I mean, that's flip a freaking coin. I, I have no faith in either, but I, I, I like Dable on the road with his team as the lower seed. Um, I, 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 like I like almost in the Doug Peterson role. Like I, I love yeah. him as the coach of the, of the underdog team of the lower seeded team going in and, and knocking off Minnesota. Like I just, I think that storyline is legit. I think there's something there and I could see that happening, but I, I do think Minnesota is a more talented football team. I, I will say yeah, that, yeah, but, but, sure. I, but uh, the, the, the Kirk cousins implosion possibility is pretty high. And, and I, it's quite frankly, it's enjoyable when I see it. Cause Kirk cousins, um, if you're an Eagles fan, so. you get this shade and fraud either way. You can either make fun yeah. of the giants or this internet rivalry that might not exist in real life that the <laughs> Eagles fans have with Vikings fans in Minnesota, Twitter, and the Kirk Cousins hate that dates back to the Washington days. Whatever outcome that is, you're going to have a lot of fun as an Eagles fan at 7.30, 7 o'clock Sunday night. Let me, let me ask you this question. This is, this is my feeling. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more afraid of, of, of Tampa than Dallas. Should, is that a normal feeling? Do you think that makes sense? I think Dallas is the third best team in this conference. Mm-hmm. But if you're an Eagles fan, are you more scared of – Dak Prescott playing the worst football of his career or a pissed off Tom Brady, who's a home underdog this week has a losing record for the first time in his career. It's I think, did you ever hear this story? It's like, this is, we're going to the NBA now and that'll be our eventual transition. I think I might know where you're going with this, but I'm looking forward to it. It's about like 2000, 2001. Jordan hasn't come back yet with the wizards. Still, still hanging around the league, basketball player. And he's at some event and he's getting some shots up or walking by and Paul Pierce is there. And Paul Pierce, this is, you know, first three, four, five years of his career. And he starts mouthing off to, to Michael saying, like, what are you doing here? You can't play anymore. You don't play anymore. And the guy had been out of the league in three years. And a couple of people went up to him and said, you cannot say that to him. Scared that he would come back into the league just to torment Paul Pierce. That's how I feel like Tom Brady. We're counting out Tom Brady for the first time ever. It felt like when you were you weren't allowed to count out the Spurs in the Popovich, Duncan, Kawhi era. Mm. Uh, a pissed off Tom Brady is a scary proposition, and they throw the ball a lot against Jonathan Gannon's zone defense. I'd be a little worried for sure. Mike Evans is low key the most best receiver in the NFL. Not that he is the best, but just he's had a he's in this is his ninth year, I think. He has a thousand yeah. yards every year of his career. Like he might be the most yards. underrated receiver in the league. I'll go with I, you on that. Like he, yeah, just, I, I think two really, of the most really underrated players in modern NFL over the last ten or so years: Lane Johnson and Mike Evans. No, I, that's those are two really good choices because Mike Evans is a hell of a football player, and you know their defense got a little healthier down the stretch too. So I mean, their their defense like isn't horrible, Tampa when no. they're when they're playing right and when they're healthy. So. And their offensive line's getting healthier too. Yeah. So like I, man, I I, I don't really want to play them. I don't. I'd rather play the Cowboys. And I, I think there's, and I just there's think... an inherent anxiety that comes. I would think it's just like, oh, it's Dallas week for the playoffs. That's a little anxious. But you'd be yeah. But it's a good. You'd, I think it's a be, good. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be scared more of the singular Tom Brady figure than you'd yes. be of the Cowboys as a collective whole. Right. And that's not taking anything away from the Cowboys because I, no, I would agree good. with you that they're I think they are the third best team in the conference, and they will. They will, it will be a hell of a game. And I, but I think too, like, I just, I think the Eagles players too, like I, I'm, I'm big on this narrative in sports in general and not just, not just football, but 
I do think athletes, because I know it's like as a kid, like like if a team beat me and I played them again, I was pissed off. Like I wanted sure. to whoop their ass because they beat me last time. You're not going to tell me that that loss in Dallas on Christmas Eve with Gardner Minshew, a quarterback, doesn't still sit on a lot of Eagles players' minds. Like I feel like it, it has to. So on top of it just being the playoffs, the Dallas Cowboys, that loss still being that taste in their mouth from that loss, I, I feel like they're going to think they owe them one a little bit. And I think that extra motivation um, could push them too. But I just I, – You could say that with Tampa Bay too. That was – that was uh, they got smoked oh, last year in the playoffs, what? and I, you're that absolutely was, right. Yeah, that was we know what kind of gamer, we know what kind of person, we know what kind of player Jalen Hurts has become, and he probably played his worst game as an Eagle, and what has so far been his first, his only playoff game as an Eagle, and for that type of guy, I'm sure he has revenge on his mind, as do uh, Sirianni, the coaching staff, and you know they're obviously new pieces on the team this year, but core nucleus went through. They were down. 20, 30 points. I know that the, it was 31, 15. The, the final score isn't even close to what the game really, really was. So I think there's juice galore, no matter who they play this year, because yeah. then, because if they play the giants, it's, Hey, do you, everyone's counting them out saying you can't beat the same team three times in one year. You can get those other narratives going. It's an exciting time to follow Eagles football. And be a, it is. It is. It's just right fun. about the team, cover the team, however you want to say it. It's fun to it's fun it's fun when the team is relevant and they are extraordinarily relevant uh, relevant right now. Um, so Who else is your... relevant right now? Oh, I was going to do a little Sixers transition. Ah, oh, well, they are relevant, and we're going to talk about them after the break. But first, I want your wild card prediction: Who wins, and who do the Philadelphia Eagles play in a couple weeks? Let me pull up the the whole thing. I, I had my six picks made them this week. Oh, I mean, you didn't have to give me all. I was just saying more in reference to the Eagles, but you can give me all six. Oh, I think uh, I think the Eagles are playing the Giants next Saturday night. Okay, because because if they play Tampa or Dallas, they're not going to play Saturday because they're not going to give Tom Brady and the oh. Cowboys, you know, whatever four days rest before a Saturday game, so they'd play Sunday. Looking here, give me the Niners and the points. Jag straight up. Uh, I think the Bills smoke him. It's a shame the way that game yeah. was turned out. Tua, uh, not a concern, trolling, being very genuine, not cynical yeah. for once. That guy, I, I don't think he should play football game. In football no, game. It's, I, it's, it's, it's really a shame. Uh, give me the Giants upset. Bengals currently eight points, eight point favorite. That was six and a half, maybe five, six hours ago. So I think yeah, we're getting even closer to that play. Yeah. Well, I think they said even Huntley. Huntley didn't practice, I think. So, like, they're – It's Anthony Brown, I think, is their yeah. third stringer. That's yes. uh, You have three rookies start this year in the playoffs this round this weekend who've started total, what, like seven or eight games this year. Just sign Kaepernick. And between between Purdy, Brown, and, and Skylar Thompson, the Dolphins quarterback. And then at yeah. night, uh, give me the Bucks. Give me the Bucks at home. Home dogs. Okay. Home dogs are always a, an intriguing bet for me in the, the regular season, especially when you're in that two, three point range. Uh, coming to the playoffs, you have a guy that's that's been there an infinite amount of times in Tom Brady. And then the other home dog we have is the, the Doug Peterson and the Jaguars. I'm rolling with the home dogs as always. 
I think I agree with you on everything. I might actually take the Cowboys over the Bucks. That's it. But that's a, that's a kind of a but it's so game, hard. For sure. It is so hard to bet against Tom Brady um, at home. That's a really hard. It's thing gonna be to a hell do, of a game. I'm amped. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be the. I think, like you said, I think that's gonna be the best game of Wild Card Weekend. I'm very much looking forward to it. But we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna talk Sixers, Phillies, and Flyers on the other side. We'll be right back with more on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back. We're going to talk some Philadelphia 76ers. In case you didn't notice, Seamus, they won 13 out of 16 games. Uh, they beat the, the ever-loving. It was, I joked, but it wasn't a joke. Like, it felt like Globetrotters Generals um, Tuesday night at, towards the end. It was just, it's a shame. The Pistons, or like, it's, they're making the process level Sixers look like they could win a championship. Like it's when bad. will Adam um, Silver step in? Uh, he never will. It'll only be one with the Sixers forever and ever in perpetuity. But... Yeah, I mean they're they're playing really good basketball right now. They just they really are. You have Joel Embiid second in the league in scoring right now. Just it's it is almost hilarious the the ease with which he scores these days. I know that the, again the Pistons are a very bad team. Thirty six in twenty three minutes. Uh, I believe it was twenty four minutes. And I I th- I think I saw a thing from ESPN stats and info that he is the only player to record thirty six and eleven in twenty four minutes or less since they started counting minutes. Um, in like 1951 or something ridiculous like that. So the ease with which he scores um, is incredible. James Harden back-to-back double-double or triple-doubles. Triple-doubles, I'm, I'm denying him. I think it's 74th of his career. And just the passing numbers, once he is able to qualify for league leaders, he will lead the league in assists. I don't know the exact – I think he's like at like 11, which is – preposterous um that would be Tyrese. his second time leading the league in assist i believe it would be his second time um let's see he is at right now yeah he's at actually at 11 even i think halliburton is just above 10 and he currently leads the league so when all shakes out when he plays more games uh it will be james harden will be your league leader in assists uh the one thing that strikes me most about harden is he's healthy which is very nice to see because I, I'm not big sure. Thing. Big thing. Yeah. I'm not sure he's been healthy for like two years. So, and he, he was asked about it last night and all he said was yes. Like is, he's, he was asked, is this the healthiest you've been since you got here? He said, yes. So that's obviously wonderful news. Tyrese Maxey looking more and more like himself, which is great news. He had a couple finishes. New balance guy now. Yes. New, newly congrats signed on, to new balance. That's on the cash Tyrese. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's, Hey, new balance. That's it. They have a nice little, uh, Nice little build up there. They're, they're coming up. Yeah, let's see what I don't. They look. They got Levine. They got some guys in the basketball department. They're they're doing a Kawhi? little bit of a, uh, a hipster Urban Outfitters level takeover right now too. So yeah, I like expanding that. their reach. Jamal Murray, Kawhi Leonard, Dejounte Murray. Murray. It's an interesting group. Interesting group of guys. Some hoopers. Some real hoopers. Some real hoopers. That's a good way to put it. Um, and the smiliest, the smiliest hooper uh, that ever lived. In It'd be cool if he got a signature sneaker because all these stuff Under Armour puts out with Embiid is horse crap. I 
don't know why he doesn't have a new sneaker this year yet, but whatever. Um, I think they, they so New Balance Kawhi is the only guy who has his own as of right yeah, now. I think so, so it's going to take probably a couple years, maybe an All Star appearance that might not maybe that notches him Max, Maxi his own sneaker. We'll see, but he's still a young fellow, only twenty two years old, so he's got time to to have his own. Um, and as our Harrison Grimm Liberty Ballers pointed out, a very diverse group of sneakers with the Sixers with. Harden being an Adidas guy, Embiid, as you mentioned, being an Under Armour guy, Tobias, a very big Nike guy. Now you have Tyrese doing uh, New Balance. D'Anthony Melton, Converse, which is very interesting. Only a select few guys with that in the league. How? Um, when's the last time the Sixers have had well, – it's been like this with Embiid and Harden. Two guys with signature sneakers is an interesting question. Never. I would think uh, Stack – and Iverson. Uh, Iverson, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had those stack houses, man. The those feelers. Feelers. Yeah, yeah, so I think that would have been the last time, and then before that. Although um, I don't, I guess, I guess Iverson had them as a as a rookie. Yeah, Iverson definitely had the the questions as a rookie. Stackhouse only had, I think, only had one signature. I don't know if it was his rookie or his second year. I guess I don't know. I had both because you know I was all in. I was all oh, in yeah. as a as a as a. 12, like if I was a kid now, old. I would have those disgusting Embiid, uh, Embiid Under Armour sneakers just because they're Embiid. I love the way you phrase that. Um, like this is, I feel bad for Joel. It's the, guy, it's yeah, it's the first Armour, time yeah. there's really been a marketable big man center since Shaq. And Shaq had some, you know, before he did the like the pay less route, which I respect him doing that. He did have some signature sneakers with Reebok in the nineties. Yeah, the Shaq, pretty, the Shaq Gnosis. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Uh, you know, Reebok had Sean Kemp at the time; they were doing their yes. thing. Uh, just got Iverson on the on the, the roster. Kamikazes. Yeah, oh yeah, I like the Kamikazes. Yeah, uh, but uh, Harden stuff's okay. I, I like the low tops; they're you know good for spring summer if you get a you know kind of a festive color pair. So they just did. It. Hopefully, uh, Tyrese gets something. He deserves it. Yeah, they almost have a is the, the Harden's issue. I think what are they? This I don't even know what where he's seven up or eights, sevens. I think um, they almost have a Jordan vibe to them a little bit, like a, the yeah, design. the modern Jordan, like the 20, yeah, like, like the thirty twos, thirty sixes. Yeah, so um, yeah, they're not they're not bad actually. I don't mind them. Um, the new Dames are actually pretty nice. Uh, if you're if you're going the Adidas, right? I had a I'm, pair of Dames in uh, college. They were the Dame two all purple Weber State edition. There we go. They were nice I like that. Yeah, I'm a bit. I, I mean, I'm a Nike Jordan, and then I sneak in through. I just the only Reeboks I wear are are Iversons. Questions I, and answers. Yeah. Did you see the picture? Did we talk about it? My parents or got me a Christmas gift, and they, even though they said they weren't going to get me one, and I was kind of mad they did. Uh, <laughs> I, Iverson uh, answer ones the Jurassic Park edition. Oh, you see a picture of those. I have seen them before. I, I yeah, I didn't even I, know they existed when I opened yes. up the package on Christmas morning. Uh, I was very thankful. Much yeah. as two worlds colliding, yeah, it was, worlds colliding. it was very on brand, I would say. A little blockbuster action movie stuff, and then Alan Iverson. Well, I know Reebok has a deal with DC, and I'm just waiting for some type of Batman. They did uh, some stuff, I looked on Reebok's website, uh, yeah. nothing uh caught nothing my eye. Anything. I didn't think there was anything a specific Iverson, it was more no, nah, it's kind, just of, Reebok, it was yeah. kind of more the generic Reebok classic stuff, yeah. Uh, but that would have been pretty cool. You get a little. Blue, I yellow, can, and gray questions for I Batman have style. For the yeah, I can have that, hope for the future. That'd right be now. all you, man. That'd be all yeah. you. Oh, and like a little, maybe like the, the light blue accent from like the, the, the comic Batman or the Adam West Batman, like a little bit of that light blue in there. Get a, get a Mr. Freeze vibe, light blue. Maybe. 
Well, I would they, say like no, like, like the icy I, like, soul. Like oh, ooh, I like the icy soul on there. Yeah, I like that in the mix. Even Superman ones would be pretty cool, blue and red, and yeah. But anyway, basketball Sixers are playing uh, pretty good at it right now. Uh, they, I love that they smacked the crap out of them because you could have seen. Yes. I know this this team sucks in their early process level, and then on top of that, they were missing guys. Yes. But before the game, couldn't you have seen the average cynical Sixers fan on Twitter saying, you know, it's going to be an eight-point game with eight minutes yeah. left in the fourth quarter somehow. The fact that they go out there and actually smack a team the way they should, we're crediting a, a, a team of elite, highly paid, you know, very accomplished basketball players for taking care of business. But so frequently during this era of basketball, we've seen them not do that exact thing when they should. And to see that – uh, good teams just don't win. They take care of it. Good, great teams can beat good teams, and great teams like destroy bad teams. And we really don't see that too much, I don't think, in this era of Sixers basketball. So hats off to those guys. And we think of my uh, pained speech from a, a month or so ago. <laughs> uh, they are – they're reeling me back in a little bit, this upcoming West Coast Here trip. We go. I'll, be, I'll be up late watching them, uh, doing some editorial work for Philly Voice and – they really have a couple of wins, and I, I know I'm going to get sucked back into their BS. That's what they do. That's what they do, man. And they're going to make a trade at some point, and you're, you're probably going to love it. It's going to be for a player you like or something, and hook, line, happen. and sinker, man. They're going and, to then, uh, and then they lose in six in the second round. I'm like, <laughs> I, I just did this to myself again. How did I do this to myself again? <laughs> oh, man. No, but I, you touched on – because you're right. That, that is something they, they haven't always done in the past where they just beat the snot out of bad teams, and they've done that more this year. The other thing, too – I, I, people complain about the Lakers win in overtime, the Raptors win in overtime, and the Pacers win in overtime. But what's the key thing I just said? They were all wins. Yes. Those are games that they lose. Like, frankly, like those are games that they, like, how many times have we seen it? They build the big lead, they lose the lead, and they lose the game. Yeah. Now, those three games, they did a lot of good things to get those leads, they blew them. It happens, and especially in the NBA. It's a weird sport nowadays, especially with the three-point line. Teams can come back in a hurry. It does happen. It's the six, it's not an exclusive issue with the Sixers, but the fact that they were able to buckle down and in overtime win all three of those games, that says something to me. That's, that's a team that there is growth there. There is a maturity there that I'm not sure was there in the past. And look, look. Plainly, P.J. Tucker has not been good enough, especially on the offensive end of the floor. They paid him a lot of money. I get it. I get why people are disappointed. And it's cliche and whatever. How do we quantify it? I don't freaking know. But leadership. P.J. Tucker is one of the baddest dudes in all of the NBA. Unquestionably. When he talks, guys listen. They shut up and they listen. With respect to Joel Embiid and James Harden, who clearly have a lot of respect in that locker room who are the team's best two players unequivocally and who guys look up to. Like, there's there's no question about any of those things. They are not like P.J. Tucker in the regard of Tucker's going to call people out and he's not going to give it. He's not going to give a damn what anybody says. In, like, he is going to do it. I think that unabashed honesty, it's two things. One, I think it's a trickle-down thing, right? I think it's, when Tucker's like that with other with guys, guys are like that with him, and it spreads. And that's a good thing. That level of honesty and guys not being afraid to say, yo, you need to be here. You need to do this. The fact that it's resonating and, and guys are feeling that way and that they can accept that criticism 
I think is huge. The other thing I think it does is Joel Embiid is not that guy, right? Like Joel Embiid is not, we've seen him say, I mean, quite frankly, we've seen him say a lot of passive aggressive stuff in press conferences um, that have rubbed guys the wrong way. Now, was he wrong about a lot of those things? No, not necessarily, but maybe not the best way to go about things and the best way to be a leader of a basketball team. I think, and in James Harden, I think, He's just not like, yeah, like he he talks to guys. He's a good communicator, but he's not a rah-rah guy. That's not him. Having Tucker out there to be that guy so that Embiid and Harden can kind of lead and do the, do things their way and kind of do their own thing. I think it's immeasurable. Now, is that worth $10 million a year for a 37-year-old? Maybe, maybe not. It, when he's it, 39 or 40. Still yeah, exactly. And do they need more from PJ Tucker on the offensive end? Yeah, I mean they needed to make open shots. That's really it. If you're if you're wide open from the corner, you need to make that. Um, if you have a wide open shot, you need to at least look at the basket and, and think that the other team like may make the other team think that you might actually try to take a shot because he is capable of doing those things. I, I think health's a big factor for him. I, I think that hand's not right. I think in general he's not healthy and he probably needs more rest. That's a whole other thing. But I, I think. I've talked to you about the vibes before. The vibes are very good. And the guys have acknowledged the vibes are very good. good. Now, is that a, does that mean they're going to, I'm telling you right now, they're going to make it to the second round. They're going to win in the second round. No, I'm not telling you that at all. The Eastern conference is really freaking good. The top five teams in the East are all very good, but they're close. There's three back of the one seed in the loss column. The Celtics haven't been playing great basketball. The Bucks haven't been playing great basketball. Cleveland's been pretty good all year long. Yeah. Uh, the Nets have obviously been scorching hot, but now KD's hurt. There is not much separating the top five teams in the East. And right now the Sixers are healthy. Their schedule gets harder. I know all these things. But they have a chance, and I'm not trying to pump you up even more and give you more false hope, but they have a chance to play good basketball and get a pretty good seed and get into the playoffs and be in a pretty good position. A lot of things got to go right. They have to keep playing well, and Bede has to keep playing at an MVP level. Harden has to keep playing at this level. Maxi has to keep ascending. Uh, the bench guys have to keep doing what they've been doing because they've been very good. And they, I do think wing depth is something they're going to need more of at some point. But they're in a pretty good place right now. Pretty good. Not great. Not terrific. Just a pretty good place right now. So you're selling me. I'm not even trying sadly, to sell you. I'm not sadly. even trying. I'm just giving you my honest how, opinion. How dare you do this to me? <laughs> Shame on me. I know. Um, and I'm not even like I'm legitimately not even trying to sell you on the fact that I think you should be higher on them or whatever, or anyone on that matter. I'm just giving you my experience from being around the team, from being around the team for years and and and, and it feeling a little different than it has in the past. Again, it, it could turn at the drop of a hat. It happens all the time, but right now pretty good spot, but it's, you know, it's in a great spot. I would say going into their season is the Philadelphia Phillies. They pull off a pair of trades. One, I guess you would say is a little bit more exciting than the other um, getting Gregory Soto from the Detroit Tigers, who is a two-time all-star uh Gives you some serious Jose Alvarado vibes, which is a good thing as of right now. But um, a, a guy who I know a lot of Tigers fans, there was some weird stuff going on online saying, like, they were like, good, take him, which is okay. Um, 334 ERA over the last two years, and I think yeah. uh, 162 innings. 
something like that. A a workhorse again, made been an all-star the last two years. Control is the issue when, when, when there's been an issue, but I see what this, what this, what Caleb Cotham has done as a pitching coach, what the staff has done with their pitchers and what they've been able to do with Jose Alvarado. And I feel confident they're going to get the best out of this guy. 27 years old too. Uh, And you gave up with respect to Nick Maton, with respect to Matt Vierling, um, great vibes guys and and pretty good ball players. As far as like bench guys go, you didn't really give up much of consequence to get another high leverage left-handed arm who throws very hard. The other trade with the giants for, um, Junior, is that how you say that? Pronounce that Junior Marte. Um, I can't speak to it. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'd not rather not. Either. I'd rather just own and be like, I don't know how to pronounce his name rather than do it incorrectly. Fair enough, and be I just do it incorrectly because I'm a bad person. But anyway, uh, they he is acquired from the Giants for um, a pitcher that I know some people were high on in the Phillies organization. Um, the lefty now his name is escaping me because that's and because I'm terrible at this. Why? Why am I a podcast? So shameless. This is awful. Um, it's is fun. It, uh, <laughs> Eric Miller. I knew that, and I just didn't feel confident enough to say it. I knew it was Eric Miller. But Eric Miller, a big lefty, uh, strikeout stuff, but injury issues, control issues. So I think the the thinking was there. They believe Marte is more of a win-now possibility pitcher. Also throws very hard. Again, something they maybe see in him that they believe they can get the most out of him. Yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now. Yeah, the stats aren't going to blow you away. But I think nah, the stuff he only has uh, 39 appearances, 48 innings in his pro career. That came this year. He's, he turns 28 in yeah. February. But sometimes with relievers, you're just throwing darts and you hope a couple hit bulls. Of course. Right? And that's what I like about this thing. Soto, sometimes if, if you're a multiple-time all-star as a reliever, sometimes that can be oversold, especially if you're on a team that's bad like Detroit and it's racking up sure. saves or doing this, whatever. But I, I think of it more as a trickle-down effect. Maybe he isn't a lights-out guy, but he's better than some of the guys they've been throwing out there over the last couple of years, and he might not be the closer. You have other guys that are on top of him. You have Alvarado. You have Kimbrough now, all this stuff. But it, there's more depth there that you can survive some injuries, and at your worst, your floor is getting higher, right? The floor is raised when you have taken out some of your really just uh, – Awful relievers that they've thrown out there. I know this this year was a plus. Bullpen played really well in the pitch, really well in the postseason. Uh, but we saw in the previous two three years historically bad bullpen. So I like that they've added this superstar talent to the lineup, and they are making these small kind of red paper clip your way into a really good bullpen move. So I'm into and, it. And at some point, you have to trust your development staff. You have to trust your, your pitching folks to to get the job done, and they've and they've done that so far. So if they identify a guy from an older organization, they say, okay, this guy's got really good stuff. I think if we do like X, Y, and Z with him, you know, make him throw this pitch more, make him throw this pitch less, or something mechanically or whatever. If they see something in a guy, go after him and try to get it out of him. I I I, I like that way of doing business, and I think too, there's a part of Dombrowski that probably saw. Why did we lose to the Astros? Part of it is is what you just talked about, depth. They are just guy after guy after guy throwing gas and, and getting outs and, and getting out some big spots. They had so much depth. And all those guys weren't great when they got to the Astros, right? Like some of those guys had kind of up and down careers or flat out bad careers. They get to the Astros, they get in their system, they get them right. That's what good or that's what not good organizations. That's what great organizations do. They find guys and they get the most out of them. And I think 
with Dombrowski. I think that's part of what he's doing. He's banking on, let me get a bunch of guys who have just terrific lights out stuff, who have shown flashes. Let me get them in here in our system with our people, and let me see if I can get the most out of them. And I, I, I really, I think that's a great way to do business. I think that's um, a great way to build a baseball franchise as the Astros uh, have demonstrated. And you said like they already have an all-star lineup. It's an incredible lineup. I, I want to see a righty bat off the bench that can play center field. I think that's my kind of wish list guy right now that I would like to see them get. Cause especially if you lose Veerling, um, he would have been in that mix. So I think that's really it to me. I mean, other than that, I think the roster is like pretty darn good. Pretty I'm ready set. for red October. Once again. Yes, I am absolutely ready for red October. I'm ready for opening day. Opening day is going to be going to be a blast. Uh, gonna miss Bryce Harper and him not being there. That's that's you're gonna go, but nah, I'm not. I'm I have a rule now. I think maybe it was when when I turned like 30, I stopped. Like, I don't go to baseball games in in, in March and April, man. It's just nasty business. Can't do it with the weather. Yeah, no, can't do it. Got it's gotta be it's gotta be like at least 70 degrees for me. Yeah, but the opening day is usually three o'clock. That's a nice vibe, I think. Yeah, but no, not Not for you. It's also and just and money. I'm a base. People I'm a sports for, writer. People forget we're not super duper rich. Yeah, I'm a ba- I'm a I'm a sports writer, and I have a kid. I don't make that much money. Um, I'll tell you, makes a lot of money though. John Tortorella. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have won five of their last six games. Kevin Hayes is an All Star. The bench twice. Kevin Hayes. <laughs> Sorry, but like he's benched his dude twice, and now he's an All Star. I think that's hilarious. Um, sums up the state of the organization. It really does. Travis Konechny playing great hockey. Probably should be the Flyers All-Star, really. Ivan Provorov um, perhaps getting moved. Did you see that? I did see something about that. Um, Seemed I, to just, uh, can I tell right, you something? Sure. Please I, do. And this is where like sometimes like the media bias thing uh, trips me up. Like, so as you know, Jordan Hall is a, is a good buddy of mine. Yes. And he covers great the Flyers. Uh, see, like such a sweetheart of a man would do anything for anybody and so professional ask good questions never like nothing grading or scathing or, or you know nothing like that just but good questions you know questions that people want to know and whatever i he has prover off something like as simple as how would you like rate your whatever like it was at the, like it was the exit interviews like how would you rate your season whatever and he gave let's just like the most dick provoke the most dickish answer ever. It was something like, "Oh, well, you guys are going to write whatever you want to write anyway." And it's like, "Okay, cool." Um, well, I definitely perfectly, am now. Thanks. Yeah, like it's a perfectly honest question, and you just were a jackass about it. So ever since then, that's rubbed me the wrong way because there's nothing Jordan has done as a as a beat reporter or as a human being that deserved that kind of response. So for me, um, goodbye, Ivan Provorov. I don't care. Uh, but if he does have value because he is a good hockey player not a great hockey player. And if you can get some, some young talent or some picks in here for him, I'm all about it because chasing the wild card is stupid. I don't know why they're even doing it. They're like Trade seven points, se- seven points out and they have to climb a bunch of teams. There's no point. It's really dumb. Don't do it. Um, Trade deadline early March, I think March 2nd, maybe. That sounds right. But um, yeah, I, 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 would, I would move and like, I, and I like connect but I would even look, look in while he's playing great hockey. I would even I would not be opposed to, to moving on from him either. Like you need you need young talent and you need young assets in this organization. Like you you like and it's like the young guys that they've allowed to that Tortorella has allowed to play have done well and have shown some things. So it's like keep doing that. Keep playing the young players. Let them learn. Let them make mistakes. 
let them have bad nights and let them win, like, and, and you've let them do that. Now they're actually winning because the young guys are playing. well. So um, it doesn't have to be an all out tank. I get there's, that's like a dirty word in, in, in around, especially in the hockey culture, I feel like, and especially with the Philadelphia Flyers, but you can rebuild without tanking. Um, Just and be still smart your, for once. You can, <laughs> right. Like, Trade your good players that have a lot of value that aren't maybe in the that aren't maybe going to fit your timeline of when you're going to be good. That's what smart organizations do. There's nothing wrong with that. I imagine your ticket sales aren't that great, and I imagine with respect to Ivan Provorov, I don't think he's a gate drawer. I don't think I don't think you kids think? are lining up with their Ivan Provorov jersey saying, "Oh, Daddy, please take me to go see Ivan Provorov play for the Flyers." I don't think that is a thing that happens in this world. Um, so. Yeah, I think trade them, get some young talent in here. I'm I'm all about it. Get rid of and everyone. Get rid of everyone. Including the owners, the coach, the front office, everyone. Hmm. Oh, what is this? We got this is an Oh. So Rich Paul and Clutch have settled their deal with Neurons Noel. You remember that one? I do. Where they basically told him not to take that Maz deal, which was for a lot of money. Yeah, that was around like twenty per. It was like four eighty, yeah, right? He, he, I think it was four for. Might have been like four for seventy two, but still, um, I think he's only made in his NBA career like forty million up to this point. So he, yeah, he, he cost him a pretty good amount of money. Um, talk to Nerlens actually uh, before the game. Good vibe, good vibes at Nerlens. He seems like he's in a good place. It's it's kind of a shitty situation he's in in Detroit with you know they're rebuilding and they're playing young guys and he's just kind of there for emergency purposes, but. I suspect he probably gets moved at the deadline. He's an expiring contract, a rim running center. He can help a lot of teams out. So, uh, what if he came to Philadelphia? No shot. I don't. I wouldn't say no shot, but I. There's some blood. There, he makes nine blood. million. No, okay. I, I, no. So I'll say that he was really. Um, I think the blood's gone. I think he's. I think he's made peace with everything. He was happy to be back. You know, had nothing to say but good things about the organization. Obviously, loves Joel. That they're like. They're like as close, they're like practically best friends. Like they're really, really close. So I don't think that would be the issue. I think the bigger issue is he makes $9 million. And I don't know, like you'd have to go like Quark Maz and I don't know, Springer to make that work financially. And I don't know. I don't know if I, I and then you'd have to obviously throw them like a second round pick or something. I don't know if I want to do all that. Um, when you could probably find a cheaper option. Sure. But with that said, Nerland's the basketball player. Um, as a fit here, oh boy, exactly. play him with James Harden and just have him just have him screen and rolling and block shots on the other end and rebound. Yeah, I, I terrific, terrific fit, but I, I, I don't see it happening. Here's, I think a, here's a question more realistic that would be funny for that. Yes. So, Neurons Noel were number four for the Sixers, yes. correct in saying that, and then they retired Dolph Shays as number four while he was wearing it, but he got grandfathered in and was allowed to wear it. If he Correct. came back, would he be allowed to mm. wear number four, you think? It's a good question. I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I think he would just be like, yeah, I'm good on that yeah. front. Yeah. Pick a new number. I don't even something know. Only, something only. He was something like, number, was he number nine for Detroit? I thought seven. Am I wrong? Seven? I, I don't. That's how. That game, I was, I, I, can't, I can't even lie to you. Listen, I by the third quarter, I was like, okay. Let's go home. Let's just like call the rest of this one because <laughs> uh, it was just bad. It was it was literally Globetrotters Generals level. But uh, hopefully we get some more trade slop in the coming weeks for the Philadelphia 76ers, and it gives us some stuff to talk about. And hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully we will. We will know the Eagles opponent for their divisional round game 
Uh, we will know which team comes into the link by next Tuesday when you and I are talking. So look forward to that. Looking forward to Wild Card Weekend in general. Should be a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. For Seamus Clancy, I am Paul Hudrick, and we will talk to you all next time.